Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. I'm really excited to be with you today. So do you remember the last two weeks? So last week was Stephen. Stephen talks about this man named Chris that disciples him as he's in a drug rehab program. And then later he winds up marrying a girl named Brooke who has a father named Chris. So this is Chris's story and now we're going to jump right in. It's going to be awesome. Jumping back, so I was at the I was at the wedding, and I heard a little bit of the story, and I know a little bit of your story from uh, your daughter being in Asia, right? So, but let's let's back up a little bit. Just tell me a little right. bit of your story. I know, you know, you've been a follower of Jesus a long time, but mm-hmm. you guys started a church, is that correct? Or were part? Yeah, of we uh, for I think forty. I grew up in the Baptist church, forty-seven years, and then just one thing led to another, and. Uh, Probably more than anything, I kind of, I'm an idea guy. I'm a big vision guy. And really, there's not much place for that in the Baptist church. And what I mean by that is you either got to go to seminary and be a pastor or, you know, teach Sunday school. Uh That's kind of your options in most Baptist churches. Uh And when you, when you begin to say, okay, I want to do things, it, it, you know, the pastor and I were good friends, but it caused friction because of course, everything needs to go through him. And, you know, and so we ended up leaving and starting a really, you know, didn't have big plans to start a church. It just kind of, kind of happened. And we, we grew the thing and had people. I mean, we had probably at one time, 130, 140 people coming, Mm -hmm. which, you know, and we think, okay, we're, you know, we're big time, you know, we got this, we got this (laughs) fixed, you know, well, what would happen is we would just had a continual rollover. We were reaching people uh, that uh, most church most churches weren't. But what was happening is we'd get a we'd get a group and their friends in, and then they'd wander off, and then we'd get a new group, and so it was just a constantly changing thing. Uh, and so God made it real clear to me that you got to get smaller, uh, and don't worry about it. I mean, He uh, did. He just He's like don't worry about numbers. Uh So we're maybe 40 at most now. Uh And we were very committed. We're very much outreach. Uh And we very much just want to open up the Bible, see what it says and say, well, let's do that. Uh Let's obey it. it. Uh And, you know, like if, we just had a, a young man. He was in, uh, I've got a, one of my guys that I helped disciple was in a drug re- recovery program we're here having here from Fairview uh-huh. that I used to help with a lot. And he and I became real close. And uh, one of the guys, he's now working for that program. He's the jobs coordinator for him. Okay. And one of the guys that was in the program and left, for instance, he came and he's 28 and started coming after he got out and got a job doing seeming great. Okay. Well, uh-huh. when I sit down and talk to somebody, if they come and they're 28 years old and single, 
I sit down and ask them about their sex life. I mean, I just do. I said, well, let's talk about your, you know, are you, are you doing it God's way? Are you doing this? And well, he didn't like that, <laughs> you know? So now he's going to another church because that, that's not going to ask those questions. And so we're very, I'm very direct. I'm very upfront with people. I just say, well, here's what the Bible says about it. And here's what we try to live by. And here's, so I guess I could say one of my, one of my basics of, of uh, discipling is a little bit like Jesus when, you know, he said some hard things and all his disciples left and, you know, the, the 12 came to him and he said, you leaving too, mm-hmm. you know? I'm not changing my teaching. I'm not changing the truth. This is it. And so you can either, you know, you can kind of either take it or leave it. Uh And not that I want people to leave, but I want people that want to follow Jesus. Uh And that's what I saw in Stephen. Yeah. And and so. Yeah. So, so back up. So you got this church, you you got big, which is awesome reaching people that aren't being reached. I hope that, I hope that's still continuing, but figuring out how to hang on to them. So you're not losing, losing them in a circle. That's the but then, and, and so somewhere in the process of this, you start getting involved. Have you, have you been doing drug, this drug, ministering at the drug rehab place for years? Is this new? Like, how did you get started? In that? Well, that started about probably eight years ago. I'm not, I'm not, they have a new director. I'm not real involved right now. But uh, at the start of it, I was, there was one guy working there. And so I would come and like on a Saturday, I'd tell him and his wife to go leave. And I'd uh, take the guys and, uh, you know. And then I would, I'd go out there and teach them and just hang out with them and pray with them and talk with them. But, uh-huh. So, you know, that, that's how I got there. And uh, we're very, our church is very outreach oriented. We, about at least once a quarter, we go to the homeless area in Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. And, and we don't just hand out food and clothes. We do that. But, uh-huh. I mean, we engage the people. We we sit down on the curb with them and talk with them and pray with them and share the gospel and uh-huh. encourage them. Uh-huh. And, and one thing I found is that's a great growing tool uh-huh. because it's a, when I first take people, I got one guy that uh, his name's Derek and uh, he started coming. He had anxiety attacks and go to the hospital and we started, uh, he started to come part of us and soon those went away and, we took him down there, and the first time we took him down there, I mean, we had a covered trailer with clothes. He wouldn't hardly get out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the next time I took him with me, and now, now he's the first one to jump out of the car and grab somebody and yeah. talk with them and you know and yeah. pray with them and whatever. But it's just a real good tool to develop people. In other words, show them you can do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know. And what you're afraid of is way worse than what is actually there. Yes. And, and like this last, uh, last month or last January, three of us went to Liberia. Okay. We did a, we did a revival. We, we taught pastors, we taught school kids, went out and talked to the drug addicts in Monrovia, Liberia, all over the city, uh-huh. brought them to the revival, got a, hired a bus and brought them to the uh-huh. revival. And, uh, and then, uh, had another, uh, lady she was in uganda on a medical mission and then we had a uh chris another family that just had been full-time in ecuador okay are transitioning back now he would he would back he was back down in ecuador 
And then we had another guy that was spoke to about 400 kids at the stock show. Okay. So our little group had people in three different countries and somebody speaking to a stock show in January. Yeah. You got a lot of outreach going out there, which we is good. We got a lot of outreach. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what we say. You got to go out, and you got to go share the gospel. Uh huh. How do you teach them to share the gospel or what's, what's that look like for you? I as... take them with them. I take them with me. Uh-huh. The, the man that uh, he took, he sold everything, lived with us for a year, sold everything, went down and he spent four and a half years in Ecuador, uh-huh. hiking in Amazon jungle and going, <laughs> going down the rivers and starting churches and, uh-huh. and, uh, I mean, lived it pretty amazing, really. Yeah. And uh, what I I took him to Liberia with me, and we started going around to the uh, to the hospitals during the day. We're just because they're you know you know how third world hospitals are. They're not very good and they're not very clean, and the families are worried. And so we would just go around and pray with the kids and pray with mm-hmm. the family. And at first, he was very uncomfortable, and he didn't know how to do it. And I said, "Well, come with me." You know, follow me. Let's right. And and after about an hour of that, he's he's well. Let me. I said, okay, now you do this. Yeah. And 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 pretty soon he's he's just out going on his own. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that's pretty you know, good. He's, pretty good yeah. disciple making. Come come watch me. Yeah. All right, now you yeah, give it a spin because there's so many times, and you I don't know how many times when I was overseas, I'd run into things and things like. Nobody trained me for this, you know, right, like, right. and you kind of stumble your way through it. And maybe later you find someone that's older and say, hey, what should have I had done in this? You know, and that's a little different. But, man, when you can have someone kind of walk you through it and tell you, tell you what you did wrong, what you yep. could do better next time, encourage you, you know, man, it just speeds things up so much. It really does. And it just it just says, well, here, it's not that hard. Just go. Just just it's just like whether we go to the homeless or we go to Liberia or wherever I. I took uh, one of these guys. He was a he was a meth addict, uh, alcoholic, everything for thirty years, mm. and and Jesus got a hold of him. And he's you know one of my best friends now. His mm. name's Mark, and he's the one that went. And in Liberia, they call the drug addicts zogos, and nobody want nobody wants to be around them. They're they're hated because they don't only use drugs, but they steal everything to pay for their drugs. Right. So they're they're really you know. Well, he we went he went with me. This is the second time he went with me two years ago and I took him out and we we take some librarians, we'd go find these Zogos and go go visit with them and share the gospel and Mark would share his story, how God changed him and everything. And mm-hmm. this time we had a bunch of stuff going. He just I mean, we'd see him in the morning and say, Well, good luck and he'd take <laughs> off with a librarian guy and off they'd go and they would go to places that people wouldn't go. I mean uh-huh off you know some of these you know some of these they're kind of off away from themselves on the edges of these communities and stuff and uh kind of really rough places well mark would go down there and it was the darndest thing we'd walk down some of the streets sometimes all you'd hear mock mock they (laughs) they call him mock and you know because he had he just has that rapport with them Uh and and so now when i go I don't, I don't even worry about him. I just, well, here's what you're, and then what he would do is we, we kind of meet back up to our apartment we rented and for supper. And then he'd go back and we'd rent a kind of a van bus deal and he would go down there and pick up 20 of them. He'd pack into that bus and come to the revival at night. Uh-huh. And so that's, that's what he did all, all the time we were there. 
Yeah. And so, and, and we had, we had 15 Zogos come up during revival and say they wanted to follow Jesus. Uh-huh. Awesome. And one of the really awesome things we, that, that I like about it is we work with a church there and that church is sending a man every day to the Zogos to teach about uh, them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we didn't just, you know, well, yeah. come to the revival and get Jesus and then abandon uh-huh. them. Yeah. Was that one and, of the guys that went around with Mark or did that basically start out of like, no, it's the, the church had somebody. Yeah, okay. we said, "Hey, we we you know we had these guys, and they came, uh-huh. and we had uh, had another guy that had two years younger than me, and I've known him about all my life, and he, they started coming in his wife because they wanted to do things. Well, uh-huh. I took him to Liberia the first time, and trying to get him to do a little preaching and do a little. He's he knows his Bible. I mean, he's got wealth of knowledge. He's just got to learn and Learn to use it. We were on this uh, old uh, dirt soccer field, and they got lights strung up, and it's dark, and we're sitting there. They got this stage built and everything, and there's five or six hundred people gathered around, and they're dancing, and we're getting ready to get up there and do our deal. And I look at him, I said, "You out of your comfort zone?" <laughs> he put his hands way apart. <laughs> and what I had him do is, I had him. I would. Uh, yeah, I kind of say, well, this is what we're going to talk about tonight. And I would have him give up, read the scripture, do this little bit of teaching, and then I would get up and preach it. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And we had uh, we had 87 people come forward. We got their names. I got copies of the names, their phone numbers, and the church is contacting them and following up. Trying to get following up and getting them into into classes and things. So that's excellent. But let me so now, go ahead. I was gonna say, let me ask you this, because you've been you know, you think about Mark, and we'll talk about Stephen in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these guys that you're seeing come to faith, and all of these obviously come from some kind of drug background. What are you seeing in terms of like what is God using to get a hold of them? Or like uh, one of my my big things, you know, you can look in the Muslim world and you can mm-hmm. look in the Hindu world, and there's some really clear patterns for what God is doing and how He's mm-hmm. bringing people to Him, and so it's easier to get in line with what God's doing. And so that's kind of one of my questions that's always in the back of my mind in America here is what's God doing among the lost? Are you seeing any, I don't know, are you, is there something, are you seeing patterns? Are you seeing a, a clear thing of like God seems to be working this way? Well, what the biggest thing is, is that especially in the drug culture, they're all con men. They all want to con, you know, they all have stories and everything. So they can spot a con. So if you're not living it, Mm-hmm. and you're just playing around, they can spot it in an instant because mm-hmm. that's what they do. Yeah. And one thing that, that I think is is be real and give truth. Uh-huh. And 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 don't I don't sugarcoat it. I don't, you know, I just say this is what it says, this is what it means, and this is what we're commanded to do. And and so, you know, a lot of them are like the rich richer young rich young ruler you know he goes away sad because they don't want to give uh, up their uh-huh. sexual immorality or whatever but uh-huh. my yeah so my what i see is is that when you really just are authentic and you live it and you they see it then god can reach them but i would just say james one of the things that, that we really try to do is we i want to i want people that are real disciples right and I don't want people, I don't want churchgoers uh-huh. because 
to me, that the lukewarm, that's people that are going to be deceived. And I don't want to, I don't want 150 people at, at our little deal. And a hundred of them really don't follow Jesus, uh-huh. but yet they come to church. Right. I would rather have 40 that say, you know what? We're in, uh-huh. we're going to follow Jesus. Yeah. And so yeah. my I... biggest thing is, is that it's few. I tell my people all the time, Jesus said, the road is narrow, the gate is narrow and few are going to enter in. And we have to be prepared to know that most people are going to reject what you're offering. Yeah, and, and, and if there's too many coming, you're probably watered it down so much to make it appealing to them. Yeah, it's possible. I think it's also possible. I mean, if you get, you get a, I was telling your daughter this, when you get a group of people that really learn how to be disciples and make disciples, uh-huh. I think you also get an explosion at some point in time. You can, yes. Because, oh, I believe that. Because there's a point in time, if, you know, I'm not God. But if I was right. God and I have a lost person I want to send to somewhere, where am I going to send them? I'm right. going to send them somewhere they'll be discipled. You know, somewhere right. someone's going to really teach him. And then the, mm-hmm. the challenge becomes, as that explosion happens, how do you continue to maintain the truth and the discipling and not water it down? And Yes. Um, Yes, no, I agree with that. And, and you know, that's one thing I tell people. You know what discipleship is? Discipleship is teaching others how to make disciples. Yeah. And it's not teaching. I mean, teaching in the Bible is part of it. Mm-hmm. But that is, you know, a lot of people, that's what they think discipleship is. Well, we're going to get here and have Bible studies. Yeah. Well, we certainly have lots of Bible study, right. you know, we, but it, it's about going out and doing it. It's having fruit. Yeah. And it's about obedience. It's not about knowing yes. the, the Greek yeah. uh the Greek conjugation of this verb, which, may, you know, if that helps you obey, that's great. But most of us, it's just more knowledge. Yes. And what we need to do is just obey the most basic thing that's there. So one of the things that I'm, like I said, I'm kind of an idea guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I call it, I call it being a spiritual entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Because there are so many people sitting in the pews that deep down really want to do something. I mean, they're sitting there. I mean, I think the Holy Spirit's working on them saying, I created you for more. Uh-huh. I didn't create you to come to church and sing songs and give money. That's great. But I created, and, and they don't have any clue how to do it. Uh-huh. And they don't have anybody showing them how to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, no one expecting it. I actually feel it sorry for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're doing what they're told to do. Uh-huh. Come to church, listen to the sermon, you know, uh-huh. watch the nursery once in a while. That's, that's what they're told, but yeah. yet deep inside there's something in there saying there's more to this thing. Yeah. We, we, you know, we'll take people to, to the homeless and what we just, we just think it was just normal stuff and nothing extraordinary. People say, that was the most amazing day of my life. Uh-huh. You know, because they've never even, they've never grabbed somebody. You know, one of the things I, I say, James, and I, you know, I, I don't want to get off track, but I'm just kind of sharing where, where we come from is, you know, I just say in Fairview, Oklahoma, there's probably a thousand people that go to church on Sunday. If you did a survey of those thousands and said, how many of you have shared the gospel in the last year? One time. How many people would that be? And I ask that question. Most people look and say less than a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I, I say I think you're right, you know, and and that's that's sad, you know. Yeah. It's sad that that we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus, and they're not being, I guess, 
my frustration is they're not being led to do that. They're being led to go to church. Yeah. And they're not being trained and they're not they're not really experiencing yes. Jesus in such a way that you are going to tell. Like I've got some when I get exciting news in my life, it's going to come yeah. out, you know, and it's easy. Sometimes we get excited about all kinds of different things. But if if Jesus is real in our life and we're really experiencing him and we're, we're trying to follow him and we're seeing him do things. You can't you can't help but talk about it. And I don't think it necessarily means you go door to door, but like it's going to come up with your friends. It's going to come up at work and it's not shoving it down people's throat. But like, you know, like right now I'm really interested in honeybees and honey. I just talk. It's exciting, you know, and, um, you know, and when Jesus is that way to us, he's just going to come up. But I, I tell people all the time, I said, if you don't know how to engage in people in the spiritual conversation, then all you got to do is walk up to them and say, what's going on in your life? Uh-huh. And, and I'm telling you, it. most uh-huh. people will open up uh-huh. and, you know, and what can I pray with you about? And uh-huh. you, you'd be amazed what people, <laughs> man, my marriage is wreck. I just, uh-huh. you know, and, and so, yeah. you know, it's, it's just being purposeful about, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. That's so, one of the things I want to get better at is asking non-believers like, Hey, what can I pray for you for? Yes. And, you know, in, in the appropriate in the appropriate context and everything, but just more about asking that question. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and and I would say one other thing, you know, I'm just throwing out a lot of stuff here. Uh, one other thing would be, you know, God's going to open your doors. He's going to give you the opportunity and our opportunity. Yes. Is in Fairview, but we have, we have much more opportunity in Uganda and Liberia. Uh, And uh my wife likes to go to China and Ecuador and, God has given us the opportunity. I'm, our little group shares the gospel with with more people than any big church in, in Fairview. Because, and, and most people have no clue. They don't have any idea what we're doing. Because, you know, because we're not doing it necessarily. We're not having, you know, here in Fairview, there's, you know, there's opportunity, but not near as much as is we go to Liberia and, and we reach hundreds of people. And and we go to Ecuador and reach hundreds of people and go to Uganda and Tammy goes to China, and, you know, dozens. And and so we our ministry, people got to understand it's a world ministry. Uh-huh. You know, it's not it's not. Well, what are you doing in your town necessarily? Uh-huh. Yeah. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends. Of yes. The yes. So uh-huh. if God opens up opportunities, then, you know, don't get caught up in. You know, well, we ought to be out inviting all these people to church. Yeah, you should. But uh-huh. another thing I tell people is, where's he at? You you cannot you cannot find me one place in the Bible where we're ever commanded to invite somebody to church. Uh-huh. So I tell my people, don't invite them to church. Start being their friend. Yeah. Start praying for them, and start trying to disciple them, uh-huh. and they'll naturally come to church. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit. It's the cart before the horse. Yes. Um, even our even our whole verbiage on that is let's go to church. Did you go to yes. church? Well, no. You you either were the church or you weren't the church this morning. Right. And, exactly. Uh, you can't really go there any more than you can go to family. It just yes. doesn't doesn't make sense. But no, that, I agree. It's such a part of our wordage and kind of the way we think about it, unfortunately. And and then what happens is is that if, if I would tell my people, okay, invite people to church. Then they would go out and they would bring them in the door and hand them over and say, "Here they are. Yeah, they're yours now. Go get them, Chris. 
You know, and you know what? I, they may not be interested in the message. They may not even like me. But, you know, these people that brought them in have relationships with them. They're the ones that ought to go out and really. Yeah. Yeah, they should. And ultimately, you know, like you, you just cannot disciple everybody. No. You know, no. and if, you're, if your people aren't doing it, there's a very limited scope of what you can do. But if they are doing it, I mean, the sky is really the limit. And if I have 20 people that are really doing it, now we've got 20 people going out, really right. discipling, sharing the gospel, doing things. And, you know, I, it, it's such a neat deal to be able to this uh, uh, Zuniga family that went down to Ecuador, you know, to watch him. He, mar he hikes out into the Amazon jungle and baptizes people in these rivers and stuff and shares the gospel and, mm -hmm. you know, and. That, that's pretty exciting to be able to watch and say, you know what, I, I had a hand in that guy. Uh, uh -huh. Look at him now. I, I, I tell everybody, I said, you know, the one thing that's humbling, though, is that when you really pour into a guy's life, and I, I had to make him preach the first time. You know, uh -huh. I said, no, you need to do this. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, well, now, you know, he's, he's better than me. You right. know, and I, right. I tell people it's a little humbling when, when, you're, when your disciple passes you. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it's also very exciting. It's very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. To, to see that, you know, that, okay. And, and one thing we tell everybody is it doesn't matter where you go in the world, you're part of Fresh Start. We're sending you uh -huh. and we're behind you and uh -huh. you're part of us and we're for you. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's a great way to be. It is, it is. Well, I'm going to switch topics. We can talk forever on this. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's, let's jump into Stephen. So you're working, yeah. you're working at the, at the drug. You're coming in yeah. at least every Saturday. Tell me yeah. about how, how you meet Stephen. Give me, give me your side of this story. Well, okay, I walk in and and uh, really the first time I'd I'd been I'd been helping there and a lot and and it was the first time that they really had a started having formal classes. Okay, okay. where they're going to come in, you're going to teach something to these oh, guys. So uh -huh. I walk in on a night and I think it was a like a Tuesday night and there's a dozen of them gathered around and I just walk up and me being me, I just say, do you want Sunday school or do you want the truth? In other words, we can sit here and make nice or use a we bunch can, of cliches. Yes. Or we can get down to what Jesus really says, what this really is about and be honest with each other. Well, they wanted to hear it. Well, I could tell this guy sitting over here, he, he wanted it. He, he wanted the truth. And that's, he's why he'd give me the truth. Uh -huh. And you've heard his story, you know, and he was, he was wanting Jesus and he was wanting to learn. You could just feel it from the, from the first time I met him, that this guy is the real deal. He wants Jesus. Uh -huh. So he, uh, he actually, and the, the guy, the new director is, is, uh, got a few problems and he's getting better, but Stephen and him clashed and Stephen ended up leaving and lived with a, another pastor for a little while. But I told him before when he left, I'd call him up and said, well, if you ever need a place to stay, then uh -huh. you call me. Uh-huh. How, well, long, how long did you know? To, how long did you know him at this point in time? Oh, probably four months. Okay, just guessing, uh -huh. something like that. And so he called me one day. And said, "You know, I think I think if it's okay, I'd like to take you up on that." Because uh -huh. we 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 really were you think a lot alike and connected. And uh -huh. were you and, seeing uh, him during this, uh, this? So he leaves the program. He's living with this other pastor. Yeah, I, I'd see him. Yeah, I'd see him two or three times a week at least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I kept in contact. Yeah. So you're still seeing him. Yeah. 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 I'm still seeing him. And, and so 
he comes and he starts living with us. Well, my wife just falls in love with him. You know, <laughs> she just just like one of her kids. You know, I tell everybody he just came and ate all my food. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. Was, but he and I, we would talk and we'd talk about the Bible and and started him in. You know, giving some messages and you know and going with us to the homeless area and just you know just saying, well, come on, let's go, let's go do this. Uh-huh. And he just he just kept growing and growing and people would just they're they're very much attracted to him. I mean, because he's real uh-huh. and he's approachable uh-huh. and he will give you the truth. And so in Fairview, I mean, there are people that I could never they would never open up to me that would just all of a sudden open up to him and mm-hmm. be telling them all their troubles and he'd be praying with them. And so, you know, I could see that he was. You know, he he was a, he was a new creation. He wasn't the old druggie, uh-huh. and and so you know we'd been praying for Brooke, and Brooke had been struggling about being single, and as Stephen was living with us, and then he uh, he got a house of his own. But anyway, one day I just called up Brooke and I said, "Have you thought about Stephen?" No, not really. Uh-huh. She really wasn't interested. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, I think <laughs> I thought he was pretty good. You know, I thought uh-huh. this might be a pretty good deal. <laughs> She wasn't, you know, no, I'm not really interested. She'd kind of had her eye on somebody else or something, you know, there. But anyway, he started pursuing her. You know, I'm sure you talked to him and, and, uh, you know, in in Ecuador. So how neat is this? How neat is this story that when I talked about the Zuniga family that went down to Ecuador, Uh I forgot to tell you the first time I ever talked to him. He was a mess. She was, she was emotionally done. And, but she was raised in the church and she knew divorce was bad. I really didn't know Chris and Mandy had come to the Baptist church. And this happened like the week that we left the Baptist church. She calls my wife up and says, my husband and I are going to get a divorce, but I wanted to give it one last chance. Would you guys talk to us? Hmm. So I'm sitting there and they're in our living room in our house and they're sitting on our sofa and they got their backs to each other. They won't even look at each other. <laughs> and Chris is this, you know, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I don't think he's going to listen to one thing that I say. Mm-hmm. But my marriage counseling is pretty simple. You know, you start following <laughs> Jesus, you start following Jesus and you're going to meet up in the middle. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's really pretty simple. And so I just challenged them and said, instead of you, because when they start off, I want to tell me all about the wife or all about their husband. And I said, I don't want to hear it. What I want you to agree to do is begin to follow Jesus. Uh-huh. And finally, Chris started kind of softening up a little bit. And he started, you could tell, he, he's listening. He's listening to this deal. Uh-huh. They both agreed, yeah, we're going to give this a try. And when they got ready to leave, I said, listen, to if you will begin to follow Jesus and you'll put your marriage back together, one day you'll be counseling people how to keep their marriage together. And Chris looked at me and rolled his eyes. Like, <laughs> you are absolutely crazy. Uh-huh. I still give him a hard, in fact, we're getting ready to go eat with him here in about 30 minutes, but I still give him a hard time about that because he thought I was insane. Uh-huh. So anyway, we had a part in keeping their marriage together. We had a part in discipling them. And they lived with us a year so they could get their finances in order to go to Ecuador and everything. Mm -hmm. And then Brooke and Stephen connect. 
when they're in the jungle with him. Uh-huh. Now, isn't that how God works? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't know, have planned I, that. I just, no, you couldn't have planned it and you couldn't have dreamt it up. But yet, if you just serve God and you just open up and you just do what you're supposed to do, look what God does. Uh-huh. So you, you, you start investing in a young man. You start investing in this young man. And all of a sudden, you got you got a good friend down in Ecuador, and then your this other good friend you have down there, and your daughter's down there, and a spark starts, and now they're married, and now they're going to have a, a child. Uh-huh. And so, what I tell people is, I was the blessed one. Right. You know, that's what happens when you disciple people. Uh-huh. Is you get the blessing, and and that's just a great example of how God worked that thing. And I love to tell that story because I said, I couldn't have dreamt that up. I couldn't have planned that. Uh-huh. But look at what God had planned uh-huh. all along. And it's just it's just obedience. It's just saying, let's do the right thing. Yeah. Let's yeah. open up our home. Let's, uh-huh. let's Yeah, there seems to lives. be a there seems to be a trend of people living with you. We have <laughs> and you know what? My wife kind of gets she's kind of a Tammy's kind of a, she likes to just kind of do her own thing. And so she gets, but yeah, we've probably had 25 different people live with us <laughs> <laughs> at different times. Yeah, we've, you know, God's give us a big house. And I told her, I said, listen, we've got room. And when it, when it opens up, then we have a gal that's uh, got a couple of kids, we have three kids and been a druggie and we're trying, she's still struggling to kind of get it right. But she went to teen challenge for a year and, She's lived with us two or three times and she went back to her drugs and everything. And Tammy was done. Well, this last time she comes back and says, I, I, I want to try this again. And I said, well, let me tell you, it was up to me. I wouldn't give you the time of day, but God's telling me to help you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm going to do. You know, I was honest uh-huh. with her and uh-huh. Tammy was like, I'm not helping. I'm not being a part. I'm not going to do been this. down this road. <laughs> yeah, we've been down this road, but you know what? She still struggles a little bit, but she's getting there and she's still hanging in there and coming to church and we're part of her life and everything. And that's just, you know, opening your home up. I know that's hospitality. Uh-huh. And and I think that's a big part of, of discipleship is saying that, you know what, I'm going to treat you like family. Yeah. I'm going to, there's something about opening your home up to people that really connects and it allows you to have long talks about real things and uh-huh. you know you can speak into their life and that you can watch them grow so yeah we've had a, we've had a lot of people live with us different different amount. we've had we've had three different kids live with us for different lengths of time you know kind of uh, parents got into trouble and stuff and so we've had to keep kids and uh-huh. but we just think well god gave us that house so we're going to use it yeah yeah, it really is good. And, you know, for most most people, most Christians that grew up in church, for the most part, if they were discipled well, it was just it was by their parents. And they yep. lived with them and they, you know, and and I think there's a, yep. a huge thing just and, and that's one of the big challenges. I think when you're discipling adults, you're like, how do you get enough time with them? You know, and yes. and that's yes. <laughs> and that solves that problem. Now, that's it right. may cramp yep. cramp some of your other things, but it solves this problem. You guys ever struggle with like, probably not so much now, but at the beginning, like if we bring this person in, like, are they going to steal all our stuff or are they, you know, like how, how did y'all wrestle through those? Well, we've had, I mean, especially with this, 
she called one time where she'd lived with us a while and trying to get straight and then went back in and she called us one time and she said, I'm in Longdale. It's kind of a rough town about uh, 10, 12 miles away and I'm in this one place where you come get me. So we go get her. Well, she said, I need to tell you that uh, there may be some people uh, after me. so you know we're sitting there thinking really yeah (laughs) and there's this deal called the i guess the mexican mafia or whatever and they you know they're kind of in charge of all the drugs and she her boyfriend or the guy she was with that was supplying her drugs was kind of cross-threaded with them or something and so she was figuring they're upset with her too and so you know we go to my son and tammy goes to my son and said uh we need one of those guns that you got, <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah. There's, there's a few times when, you know, and like one of the times she left, Tammy's clean out the room. Well, she finds needles and some meth and stuff, and, uh-huh. you know, about freaks out. And I said, well, you know, that's just kind of part of it. I said, let's go throw it away, but let's put it in a box where nobody can find it and, yeah. <laughs> and arrest us, you know? Yeah. But there is some of that, you know, um, we just give it to God and I'm not going to take in somebody that I think could possibly hurt. You know, we're, we're a little different cause we don't have kids. Uh-huh. So I've just got, you know, I've really got to watch out for Tammy. Uh-huh. So I'm very careful about that. But you know, so a lot of the people we've had have been women. Uh-huh. We've had, uh, you know, there's another lady that was in meth and lost her family, lost her kids, lost everything. And we, we took her in. She finally went to Teen Challenge, and now she's she's an insurance. She works for an insurance company and sells insurance for them. And uh-huh. you know, is uh, is has you know has kind of her dream job and and doing doing real well. So it's yeah. uh, so you know there are successes and there's also complete failures. Right. <laughs> and and you, you just got to say that's part of the part of the deal. Uh-huh. Well, uh, just to wrap up, if you were going to give yeah. one message to everyone that listens, like if you could say one thing to the church or one thing to the, to people that are wanting to be better disciple makers, like what would your, what would your advice be? Go. There's 7 billion people in the world. Go find one. Uh And if, if you want to go across the street, Jesus says, go. If you want to go across the state, Jesus says, go. If you want to go across the ocean, Jesus says, go. Yeah. Don't wait. Go. That's excellent. Well, I, I really appreciate it, Chris. It's been a great story good to talk to you again and i hope you uh keep in touch and one before you leave i guess i gotta tell you one more story okay because it it's fits so well <clears throat> we we uh got to go in liberia because we had some families adopt kids from there okay we got to working with a lady that had an orphanage and she wanted us to do a crusade we're going to do this crusade we're going to fill up this stadium and we're going to do all this stuff and so the people that you know we kind of bought in well we spent a lot of money and turns out she was kind of a crook mm. and a lot of the money we spent was just taken by her. Uh-huh. So we had the crusade and, you know, we were told, Oh, there's going to be 20,000 there. Well, we had about five, which you know, that's still <laughs> pretty good. Right. I mean, uh-huh. and, and we 5, had to save, but, yeah. but, but because, because of the way, and it's it just, and I, and I go to God and I say, God, we had the best of intention. Why did you do this? Why did, you know, why is this happening like this? And he wouldn't ever answer. And I started kind of getting upset with him. And so finally he answered me. He said, share the gospel. But God, share the gospel. 
So I gathered everybody. We had about 20 people go to Liberia with us. I gathered them all together. I said, from right now until we step on that plane, we're going to share the gospel. That's when we went to all the hospitals in, in Monrovia, a million people, uh-huh. all the hospitals, all the clinics. We went and prayed. Had a pastor in a poor, it's a it's peace island. It's a big rock hill surrounded by swamp. About 12 to 15,000 people live there because it's no man's land. And if you wanted to go build something, you'd go find you a little piece of land, build you a little hut, and live there. One road in, one road out. No water, no sewer, no nothing. <laughs> so he says, and he's only got a little church of about 20 or 30 people in a, in, in a thatched hut. And he said, and his name's Pastor Othello, still work with him today. And, and now he's got an awesome two churches. <laughs> and anyway, so he says, and we're on this and where we had the same revival this last time, but we're on this soccer field, this dirt soccer field. I had brought a projector. I had a friend over there that had a big screen. We borrowed a sound system and generator, and we played three Stooges movies. <laughs> Pretty soon we have over a thousand people watching three Stooges movies uh-huh. at dark uh-huh. gathered around there. We stopped, tell them we're going to play a few more, but we want to talk to them. We start sharing the gospel. Had a few of us, a couple of, uh, Liberian pastors gave an invitation. People started coming forward. Pretty soon, there's over 100 people fo- coming forward. We went back. Uh, my friend and I went back about three months later, or four months later. And one Sunday morning, we baptized 28 people from Pastor Othello's church that got saved that night. Mm-hmm. And what I tell people is, is that we thought that we had to have this big stadium. We had uh-huh. to have all this stuff. God just says, no, you just need three stooges. I'll do the best. <laughs> three stooges, stooges, and you can be four and five, you know? <laughs> yes, you know, and, and it just taught me a lesson, you know, just rely on God, let him give you the opportunities, and and uh, he'll work, you yeah. know, share the truth with him, and, and he'll work. And uh, Have you ever seen the movie Blood Diamond? I have not. It's it's a movie and, and you ought to watch it sometime, but it's about child soldiers. I don't know if you ever heard it, but uh-huh. especially right there in Africa in Liberia, they would uh-huh. take young kids and then the rebels and they would get them on drugs and, and then they'd send them out with, you know, and they'd Machine do guns, horrible yeah. things. Yeah. Some of the people that came forward to the night were child soldiers that had grown up, you know. So uh-huh. anyway, it's just just kind of a funny story to say, you know, the best our best plan sometimes God just says, Nah, I'll just use the three stooges. That's <laughs> Yeah. So, well, I won't keep you anymore, but yeah. Well, I sure, sure enjoyed the visit. Yeah. And uh, look forward to visiting Anything you else, again give sometime. Me a okay. I'll do that. Okay. God bless you. Well, that was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed all those stories. Interesting how God works in different ways. Next week, you know, actually, Chris, he and I didn't plan this, but we, today, he talked about some things in terms of being with the poor, being with the homeless, going out to places. And ironically, that's what Dave and I are going to talk about next week. So I look forward to seeing you guys then. Until then, go and make the sign.